in the midst of our church projects and things that have been taking place this week. Uh, the world has been celebrating this week with great anticipation. Uh, not uh, this past Wednesday, they they didn't they 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 missed the the joy of the celebration of the presentation of our Lord. Uh, but they celebrated a secular holiday. We call it National Signing Day. It's when the football players uh, sign off on what college they're gonna, gonna going to be attending. Uh, you know, many of the many of the college football players they'll show up with three or four hats on a table, and and everyone logs in in eager anticipation of of what hat are they going to pick up, uh, and are they going to play tricks with us and reach for one hat and then grab the other one, and and all the things that accompany it. But together with it, this year there's been kind of much more of a, a kind of a, a flurry of 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 news and and kind of fascination with it with the, the rise of the, the name, image, and likeness deals, that NILs, that, that permit some, some financial reimbursement uh, or financial, uh, financial giving uh, to these young men uh, to be able to, to take part in these things. And obviously, kind of with that, you know, if, if, if you can get paid to go to college, not only for the scholarship, but on top of that with a, a, a name, image, and likeness deal, then you, you certainly want to kind of toot your own horn and make sure, you, make sure you get some of that action, right? And so it's important in the world to be able to, to go and, and make sure you, uh, you're, you're noticed, Right? You've got to make sure you're at the right camps, show up at the right places, you know, to be able to, 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 to make sure you stack up on the list that you're, you're the, the, number six, the number six running back in the nation, the number three linebacker in the state, the number 27 such and such in the country. All these things we can tout all the, the numbers and the placements and locations. And certainly it's encouraged. People anticipate these things. It's the talk continuously on all the forums and in many other conversations in the, in the regular life focusing upon these, these individuals and how they rank. It's a temptation we experience naturally as humans to be able to, to see rankings in a certain sense. In so many ways, we would like to exalt our own selves to be able to focus upon the good things that we have, to see how many stars we have, so to speak, in our own life. A four-star Christian, right? What a good one to have on the team. And so it's this reality of, of, of having an individual that, that we can focus upon the strengths. And easily this can lead to a sort of pride. We can neglect the things that are less desirable about us. We can neglect our weaknesses, simply set them aside, maybe not speak to them, really try to focus upon the, focus upon the good things. And the reality is that in our gospel today, as well as in all of the readings, really, we have um, really the exact opposite of that. Whereas so many in the world, as well as even ourselves, would at various times seek to exalt ourselves so as to become notable, so as to receive honor, so as to, to receive a raise, to receive any kinds of things that the world might be able to present to us. In the gospel, we have uh, individuals who simply recognizes their brokenness. We can go back and start with Isaiah. Isaiah, who is there, and who the, the great prophet is beholding this heavenly vision. He's beholding it there in the temple, and just the, the, the seraphim just radiant, and, and, and he's just in awe of the reality that is there before his eyes. And yet, in the midst of it, he says, woe be to me. Not the thing you would naturally think of whenever you're beholding a heavenly vision. You would think, this is amazing. But rather, Isaiah says, woe be to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe be to me, I'm not worthy to see this. 
This is not something that, 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 I'm, that I should be able to, to, to behold with my eyes. I'm a sinful man, unworthy of any of these things. And the angel takes the, uh, the ember from the altar and comes to purify him, and thus his sin is purged. He is made holy. But it's first that recognition that he did not deserve to behold these things, to see these things, to take part in them. We see a similar reality with Peter in the gospel. Peter, who is there, he's been out fishing, and after all night, he has caught nothing. Always that reminder that without our Lord, we have nothing. We can do nothing. We can't do little things. We can do nothing. So Simon Peter, the fisherman, has gone out and caught nothing. And at the word of our Lord, to be able to cast out into the deep waters and there to be able to lower, lower the nets for a catch, he's reluctant at first. They've, had, they've been out all night. Lord, we've done this. It's not time. It's time to quit working, not start working. And yet he, he goes. He submits to our Lord, and they go out, gather up two nets full of fish, so that two boats worth of uh, fish, uh, two boats are nearly sinking on account of the large number of fish. And then Simon Peter, recognizing what has taken place, recognizing who it is that is before him, throws himself at the knees of our blessed Lord, says, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Much like Isaiah, he recognized that he's in the presence of a great mystery that he is not worthy to see. It would be better for him simply to be gone. Lord, depart from me. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. To this, we can also add the person of St. Paul. St. Paul, who is there, who, who comes, the, the great apostle, who comes to evangelize, and he's speaking the things that he himself has received from our Lord, speaking the things of the gospel that is his, that he spreads. And then at the end, counting himself among the apostles, as he speaks of the things of the, the, the resurrection appearances of our Lord before he ascends into heaven, he, he speaks of all these things, of the various people to whom he appears, you know, to, to the various apostles, to the 500, to James, the others. And he says, and then lastly, he appears to me. Lastly, he appeared to me. St. Paul understood very, very well that he was unworthy of being numbered among the apostles. And he says it very clearly. He says, I was unworthy to be numbered among the apostles because I had persecuted the church. He was the one who had consented to the, to, to the death of Stephen. He, was, he, was, he had the, the blood of Christians on his hands, so to speak. And yet, he had been numbered among the apostles, that privileged few entrusted with the beginnings of the gospel of Christ given to the world. He knew his unworthiness. He knew his sinfulness. And mindful of these, he turned back to our Lord, and he too was cleansed. He too is indeed made whole by our blessed Lord. To this we can also add another story from the history of the church, that of St. Francis of Assisi. It's easy to think of these individuals, and sometimes whenever we, we hear these stories of, of depart from me, I am a sinful man, of, of, of woe be unto me, uh, that my lips are unclean, of, of Paul recognizing that he is he's not worthy to be numbered among the apostles, it can be easy to, to think that an individual simply ought then to just kind of downgrade everything about themselves, 
Oh, I'm nothing. You know, I have no good about me. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm just a terrible sinner. You know, just I'm this, I'm that. And, and, and really just to kind of, you know, beat oneself up more or less. Seems like it, it's a temptation that that might be the course of action. If I just beat myself up and, and, and refuse to acknowledge that there's any good in me, certainly it means I'm holy, right? This is not the case. And the person of St. Francis of Assisi, he would go about and he would say that he, he was the most sinful man that he knew, that he was the most unholy man that he knew. And he would say this regularly. And then one day, one of his confreres, one of the brothers that had, had begun to follow Francis, he heard this and he rebuked him because he thought this is what was taking place. He thought he, he thought he was just kind of making a nice show. He said, Francis, you go around, you say you're the most sinful man you know, and you're the most unholy man you know, and, and you're not that thing. You, you're, you're, you have the stigmata. You have the wounds of our Lord upon your flesh. You are a holy man who has heard the will of God and left everything behind. For you to simply continue to say these things, it's, it's false humility. It's really, it's vanity. You're, you're drawing attention to yourself to, sit, to show your greatness. You're trying to exalt yourself by saying how humble you are. This would be the temptation, I think, for many. But Francis simply looked at him and he said, if you had been given the amount of grace that I myself have received and squandered as much as I have received, have, have squandered, then you would be the recipient of the title. But you have not received the graces I have received, and you have not squandered as much as I have. The reality is that St. Francis, too, knew and understood how immense the grace of God had been given to him and just how much he wasted how much of it was simply set aside. And he knew, yes, in comparison to other people, I may be holy, but in comparison to what God has called me to and given me the grace to follow, I am far, far behind most. He recognized just how much he needed the Lord, just how much his own sinfulness was a reality, that he truly understood himself to be the most sinful of men because so much more should he have done, and he simply neglected do, to do so. To whom much was given, much is required. And he fell short many times and knew it. It is this attitude of this awareness of our sinfulness that is necessary for us as a starting point in the Christian life. It is this place that we are able to come and to receive that which the Lord has in store for us. To the extent that we exalt ourselves, the Lord will humble us. To the extent that we lift up ourselves and try to, to, to blow our own horns, in a sense, is the extent to which the Lord will let us blow our own horns and make a fool of ourselves when we can't prove notes together to make anything worth listening to. When we rely upon ourselves and we think well of ourselves, it is there that we are in danger is for us to know our sinfulness. Unless we know our sinfulness, we cannot know the full joy of salvation. This is the simple fact, that if I don't know how much I am in need of Jesus, if I don't know how much everything I do depends upon him, if I'm not aware of the fact of the many times that God gives grace to me and I squander it because I choose my will over his, if I am not aware of these things in which I fall short, 
then I will not recognize just how amazing the mercy of God is that comes to me. I will not be able to be aware of just how immense the love of God is for me if I don't realize how much I am in need of that love, how much everything depends upon that love. It's for us to know our sins, to be able to see our sins, to be able to see our brokenness. And this is a grace we must ask for because very often it's easy for us, again, going through the course of our life to be oblivious to these things. Sure, we can recognize the large stuff, but it's easy for us to pass by in the busyness of our days, the little things, those little moments wherein we fall away from our Lord and choose self rather than Christ. It's for us today to ask for the grace, to ask for the grace to see our sins, to see our sinfulness in a genuine way, in a true way, not on a false humility, but in a true humility, wherein we can recognize just how incredible God is and how Isaiah and Peter and Paul all experience things that we ourselves also experience every single time we come to Mass. We are in the presence of a great mystery, something that if we understood the true, the true reality of things would bring us to utter silence at its greatness. But the Lord veils these things so as to allow us to come close. But it's nonetheless for us to recognize our need here, the awe of this great celebration, the richness of what we behold with our own eyes as Isaiah and as Peter and Paul, to turn to our Lord and to ask for the grace to recognize our own sinfulness, that then, having been brought low ourselves, we may be lifted up in the Lord, that he may fill us with his grace, with his mercy, with his love, with his peace, and with every other thing he has in store for us. And then truly rejoice to build up the kingdom which is within us, looking forward to the day the kingdom comes in its fullness in heaven.